uh, it, it's wonderful the things that are happening here as a result of that and across the street as well. So uh, make sure Orbit is in your prayers. Um, and, and they've done a great job. Your experience with Orbit was superb. Superb. <laughs> awesome. I don't know who coined the term. You know what I'm talking about. It was added to Webster's Dictionary in 1972. It includes chocolate cake and ice cream. I remember when our youngest one left for college and the nest was empty. And we lived in Indiana. And in Indiana, there's the Schwann man who delivers frozen food to the house. If you've ever experienced the Schwann man. And they have the best ice cream. Well, he drives in the driveway right after we had gotten back from taking our daughter to college. And I've never eaten so much ice cream as comfort food in my life, but I ate that as comfort food that day. Meatloaf, mac and cheese, fried chicken, chicken and dumplings, pizza. There's all sorts of comfort food. And it leads to the question, if I ate all of that, wouldn't I be uncomfortable? <laughs> so I'm not sure that... We eat it until we're uncomfortable. But there are things that in life that make us both comfortable and uncomfortable. Or it, it makes some of us comfortable while it makes others of us uncomfortable. Uh, a lightning storm makes some people uncomfortable. And some of us love to sit on the balcony at the beach and watch the lightning storm out at sea. It doesn't get much better than that for some. Rock and roll music. Make some comfortable. And it makes some uncomfortable. Classical music makes some comfortable and makes some uncomfortable. We're all different. A swimming pool makes some people think that's fabulous to have in a backyard and others won't do it. They're scared of the water. Some, I, I like it when I sleep. I want it to be dark. Totally, absolutely dark. Some people don't like the dark. Guns make some people comfortable, and some people they make uncomfortable. To make Our faith can make us comfortable and uncomfortable at the same time. And we're going to talk about that today. Before we go further, let's pray. Lord, it's our prayer that we are all people, that we all know you. And then our decisions are predicated upon our relationship with you. Help us to walk the walk and talk the talk and be the way you want us to be. Help us to examine not our neighbors, our husbands, our wife, but ourselves. As we are on our faith journey and trying to do better. Help us in that in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Masters wraps up today in Augusta, Georgia. Augusta is filled with golf fans. And most of the greatest golfers in the world are gathered there. And there was a great deal of excitement before it all began because of the return of Tiger Woods. I don't know if you watched much of the TV, but people were all excited about Tiger coming back to Augusta National. He was the greatest golfer in the world 10 years ago. 2000. And, eight, and everything began to fall apart for Tiger in 2009. 
He was the subject of a great many jokes. Uh, I remember not long after his accident and the unraveling of his secret life, the jokes began. I remember repeating some of them. And then God kind of had a little appointment with me and let me know it wasn't fun. I shouldn't talk about things like that. And I was reminded, if that was Bill Hall, I would come up to him and say, did you hear the one about Bill Hall? <laughs> I wouldn't do that to a friend of mine, but if it's somebody I don't know, it's, well, it seems to be fair game at times. What I've learned over the years is that even the worst of sinners need the grace of God. Even the worst of sinners need the grace of God. No matter how I feel about them, they need it just like me and just like you. I want to be careful here because some seem, seem to think that grace of God is automatic. It, everybody goes to heaven. That's called universalism and it's not true. While it sounds nice, it's not biblical. It also negates our need for Jesus. The Bible clearly teaches that we have to have a connection. God has done his part on the cross. We celebrated that last week. We should celebrate it every week. But we have to do our part. John 3, 3 says this. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Romans 10, 9 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So to receive grace, we've got to do our part. But it's not automatic. To the main point, as amazing as grace is, we're comfortable with it for ourselves. I'm glad I got it. I need it. But sometimes we can be uncomfortable with it for other people. Let me show you a biblical example to illustrate the point. Luke chapter 23. On the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Soldiers gambled for his clothes, throwing dice. The crowd watched, the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a sour drink of sour wine. They got called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. Why at it? Save us too. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. This man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come here to In verse 41, he admitted that he was guilty. We deserve to die for our crimes. There's no doubt about it. He's on the cross for what he has done. But then he asked for grace. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This might be this man's first prayer he ever prayed in his life. It's pretty bold. But the only thing more outlandish than his request 
is that it was granted. It was granted. Verse 43, Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. The man who deserved hell got heaven. What did he do to deserve his reward? Nothing but ask. And that's what he did. So I think this is a perfect example of God making us comfortable and uncomfortable. You probably love this story because you might see yourself in it thinking, well, if God can take care of that guy, he can take care of me. But think a little further. What about that day on the cross? Don't you bet there were families gathered there to see that thief executed for what he had done to their family? Don't you think there were people there thinking he's finally about to get what he deserves? He hurt them, maybe he had wronged them, maybe he wronged their children, and they wanted to see justice done? Did they hear Jesus say to this person they wanted killed, today you'll be with me in paradise? That had to be uncomfortable for the families that that thief had hurt. Watch the evening news. Watch the families of victims want to get even. You've seen those stories. And I understand. And I wrestle all the time with judgment and with grace. Judgment and grace. We want grace for us and judgment for the people who tick us off, don't we? But I pray that we learn to be comfortable with grace for everyone. I did not do this, but I could have posted pictures on the screen of people today that you would have an opinion about. And we could show pictures of people in the news or people from history, and we could ask the question, can God save that person? Is that person eligible for heaven if they ask? Obviously the answer is yes, but what if we don't like that person too much? It makes us uncomfortable. One of the first verses we learn as children is John 3.16. That's probably one of the first ones I learned, maybe the first one you learned. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. Read that with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you see those two words? You just said them. The world? For God so loves the world? Maybe we learned that verse early on. So one day we can really figure it out that when God says the world, He means the world. All of it. Whether we approve or not. They're all welcome to come to Christ. I doubt my path will ever cross the path with Tiger Woods. But daily, my path crosses people just like me. Who've had difficulties, who've had trouble, who've been broken, who need Jesus. No matter what they've done, 
no matter where they've been, and no matter who they've hurt. And that's hard, isn't it? We need to show the love of God to a world that desperately needs it. In a minute, we're going to sing as a hymn to close, the hymn Amazing Grace. You likely know the story written by John Newton, who was once a slave trader. Talk about despicable vocation. But he was lost. But he became found. He was blind, but he learned to see. Last week we sang the contemporary version of Amazing Grace. And they added these, it's hard to make a good song better, but they added these powerful words to it. And we sing these words with gusto, I think, because we love God's grace for us. We sing, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing grace. Now, my chains are gone. I've been set free. Makes me comfortable, and I just love it. But can we look at somebody else and say why are their chains gone? Why have they been set free? Jesus, something's wrong with this. I'm glad mine are gone, but I don't know about theirs. Before you think I'm exaggerating, Jesus warned us about being this way. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus told this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal day's wage, sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. They went to work in the vineyard at noon, and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again, saw some people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working today? And they replied, because no one has hired us. The lender owner told them, go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers and to pay them. But again, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, they received a full day's wage. They worked a couple hours, got paid for the whole day. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they'd receive more. But they were paid the, a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people only worked one hour, and yet you've paid them as much as you've paid us who worked all day in scorching heat. He answered, when I have a friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual way? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? Verse 14 is a huge key to me here. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. What does God want? God wants the world to be saved. That's why he said Jesus. That makes me comfortable when it's for me. 
and it should make me comfortable when it's for everyone. I've got to get over those hurts and those feelings and those prejudices that we can have. Yes, my faith makes me comfortable and uncomfortable, but I am thankful that I am free. Let's pray together. Lord, maybe it comes with time. But help us as your people to be able to look at the world, the whole world, with the lenses of grace that you have. Father, we need to see everyone as a mission field. And when we see somebody on the news that might make us mad, and we hope they get what they deserve, Help us to be reminded that we've given way more, been given way more than we do. Help us to become comfortable with grace for everyone. Father, work in our lives. Thank you for amazing grace. For the story of John Newton. For the story of those in this room. For the stories that are yet to be written. Use us to write in the name of Jesus. We are going to sing a hymn just to remind us about God's amazing grace. We will celebrate it for us, and hopefully we will expect it for all. It can be a hymn of invitation if you need to join with our church family, if you need to pray, if you need to baptize, whatever you need, we would love for you to do that. But let's sing it and mean it for everyone as we stand and sing it.